0: Now, as we know, South Africa has recently been added to the Financial Action Task Force's grey list. Countries on the list are identified as having weak measures in place to fight money laundering and terrorist financing. Nine other African countries are on that list. And while South Africa has just been added, Morocco has managed to exit the the list. Uh, Here are Fandilinda, Senior Economist at Oxford Economics. Africa joins us to look at some of the African countries on that list. The impact the, uh, that grey listing has had on them and some lessons we can learn from Morocco in terms of escaping the list. Thank you so much for your time here. Yeah. South Africa and Nigeria are the latest African countries to be added on that grey list, two of Africa's biggest economies. And I'm just wondering, how damning is this for the African continent in terms of investor sentiment? Well, like you
1: mentioned, you know. Um uh, South Africa and Nigeria was the most recent African additions but you know if you just look at the, the structure of the financial action, action task force on <coughs> their standards so there are in terms of high-risk jurisdictions there are three countries uh, on the um, on that on the blacklist and then we have the so-called grey list with 23 countries ten of which are like you said are in Africa so just under half um, but just to bring it back Before South Africa and Nigeria was added, we also saw uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Mozambique and Tanzania were were added late last year. And then uh, Morocco was no longer seen as a jurisdiction uh, subject to increased monitoring. And then other other notable mentions uh, that were removed not too long ago include Botswana, Zimbabwe and uh, Mauritius. So it's not uncommon for African countries to be, uh, you know, added to the gray list. And we see that these countries tend to alternate intermittently through uh, the FATF's gray list. Now, in terms of the economic cost of, of, of gray listing, you know, that, that, that varies. Okay. And the severity depends wow. on a number of factors. But I will say, you know, the main economic drawback of being gray list is that it makes it harder to attract foreign capital. So then for, you know, for vulnerable uh, African countries, you know, the biggest risk is a is a sudden loss of capital inflows or potential capital outflows. And that then leads to a loss of uh, external reserves, which in turn uh, might precipitate a balance of payment crisis. So these countries then struggle to to pay creditors. But, you know, there, there are other important considerations as well, so for example, you look at the existing links with the global financial system. And then, you know, Zimbabwe comes to mind because the country is, con- is widely considered an international pariah, right? And given its uh, many economic issues, when that country got greylisted a while back, mm. uh, it, the greylisting itself did not seem to have a material impact on the economy. Uh, businesses obviously had, you know, increased due diligence burdens, but you know to be honest doing business in that country was was quite difficult to begin with and then you know you also think look about look at other factors uh such as timing of the gray listing itself the structure of the economy and you know in that regard Mauritius is an is a is a is a an appropriate example yeah because it was gray listed in february 2020 right yeah and then Obviously, uh, uh, you know authorities were quick to react, and the um, the, economy, the country was removed from the grey list in October two thousand and twenty-one. So, the interesting um, thing about Mauritius' grey listing was is that the grey listing itself coincided with the pandemic. And remember, you know the economy during two thousand and twenty contracted by nearly fifteen yeah. percent. You know, so in that sense, it makes it tricky to gauge the impact of the grey listing. And then you know, if we look at the structure of, the, you know, uh, of, of uh, Mauritius' economy, it's services based. And uh, the services sector account for about, accounts for about um, 77% of GDP. So the economy is not only dependent on tourism receipts, it's accommodative uh, tax laws imply that um, things like foreign payment are especially important for the economy. Yeah. So it, it makes sense that authorities were so uh, quick to react yeah. and as i said you know there are many factors to consider like for instance with south africa the big thing here is that the reputational damage um which is you know quite regrettable, um yeah. and it just adds to this prevailing neg- sen- negative sentiment that is surrounding south africa at the moment
0: yeah quite interesting because i think from what i'm getting from you is that it doesn't necessarily have a direct Im- a direct impact on the real economy, but there are other indirect links, as such as, for example, it becomes harder to conduct business in the country, harder to attract a capital inflows, where you could also see uh, the country struggling to pay off or of credit. So quite interesting there. So South Africa uh, reduced these 67 recommended actions to eight deficiencies. How easy will it be then to get off that list?
1: Yeah, you know, South in South Africa's case, we, you know, we will have to wait and see. Yeah. In terms of you know government's commitment, but to to look at you know from a broader African context, yes, numerous African countries have managed to get to you know to get off that list, like yeah. I, like I mentioned Zimbabwe and more, more recently Morocco. And obviously, the way to get off that list, as you said, you have to address the strategic deficiencies that the FATF uh, has identified. Now. The important point to make here is that you don't want to be you know, added, you don't want to get added to that list in the first place. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. a country then has to comply with all or nearly all of the FAT's requirements in order to be removed. If you're not on the list, then you don't necessarily have to uh, comply with all, all those um, uh, 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 points from the FAT. And then the other thing that is, that's important is that when you deal with the FATF, um, and we saw this for South Africa recently. It's, it's not a debate, it's, it's for a negotiation um, with the FATF. It's a very formal and technical process. So, yeah. you know, it's rules-based. Yeah. And then, you know, but having said that, authorities must produce convincing evidence that the measures that have been implemented while adopted yeah. will be uh, successful in, in addressing the issues um, that have been flagged. So, you know, it can be a very onerous process. Yeah.
0: I mean, what lessons then are available for South Africa and Nigeria in terms of what to do and what not to
1: do? Well, I mean, I think there are, that that's an important point. If I, The way I look at it is, you know, for starters, if, if, if we look at the countries that have been removed from the list, right? Yeah. Now, they have demonstrated, obviously, that they have managed to strengthen uh, the effectiveness of uh, their controls pertaining to anti-money laundering and uh, also countering of terrorism financing and I would say that an effective payment system it forms the bedrock of any economy Uh, receiving a clean bill of health from the from the FATF shows intent Uh, you know that authorities are willing to address deficiencies and help to reduce uh, regulatory burdens for businesses and ultimately that sends a positive message to foreign investors.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time and for your insights uh, just giving us more detail on what uh, we can expect also from the economic impact overall as South Africa and Nigeria have become the latest African countries to be added on FATF's grey list uh, that was senior economist at Oxford Economics Africa year of linda